Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm going to be in the book of Luke chapter 22. That's where I'm going to be in the message today. While you're uh, getting there or thumbing through your phone, you can use your phone to get there as well. Uh, I want to ask a question. Have you ever met anyone that is overly self-confident? A few of you, somebody said yes. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't look at your neighbor when you said yes, right? Overly self-confident. The reason I ask you that, over the last couple of weeks, I've run across a guy I knew a little about, but I ran across a couple of quotes from a man by the name of Dion Sanders. Here's a picture of Dion. Deion Sanders is the current college football coach for the University of Colorado. If you don't know anything about Deion, I didn't know a ton about him, but looked it up. He spent 14 seasons in the NFL, played a little major league baseball, and is now Coach Prime, they call him, at the University of Colorado. And uh, I, I believe he's a Christian as well, so none of this is meant to be judgmental. What I recognize just by a few quotes is he might struggle with a little self-confidence, Not in a bad way, like over self-confidence. Let me share just a few quotes with you. Here's one quote that I found that he shared. Confidence is my natural odor. I don't wear cologne, I wear confidence. It's pretty bold. Here's another quote from him. People say there's no I in team. Well, there's not, but there's an I in win. This, one, this next one seems incredibly bold. Don't let my confidence offend your insecurity. <laughs> hey, just a could, co- vineyard, don't use that. <laughs> don't go home. That's bad, right? Most of us know that having that level of self-confidence generally doesn't end well. I think the University of Colorado lost their football game this weekend, didn't they? Yeah. Not a, so and most of us are not that overly self-confident, right? But it, it's not odd every now and again to find someone like that. Or even in Scripture, we find people who have a very high level of self-confidence. There's one person in particular that stuck out when I was thinking through this. King Nebuchadnezzar. Long name, he's in the Old Testament. He's the guy who created this really large gold statue and said, everybody, this statue looks like me. You have to bow down before it. Well, in the, in the book of Daniel, it says this. He, he's, uh, it says, as the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he, the king, said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? Time out. How many bricks do you think that dude laid? You, you built like nobody put, yeah. And then he goes on, by my, my mighty power, by his mighty power, for the glory of my majesty. Like that guy has got some significant self-confidence issues way up there. And if you read the rest of the account, it doesn't end well for him. So let me, let me bring it in the room because we're, probably not like Coach Prime of the University of Colorado or Coach Prime of the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar, but I wonder in our lives, if we think about it, we're not always over self-confident, 
But I think the line between healthy self-confidence, which is I know my abilities, I know who I am, I know what I can do and what I'm good at, versus overly self-confident. I wonder if that line between healthy and unhealthy is a little more blurry than we realize. Let me give you uh, some, some things that would show us if we're overly self-confident, some traits that might show up. See if these make sense. This is not your entire life, but you might have an area of your life where you have this uh, quality show up. The first one is always having something to say and frequently interrupts. Right? You, you, you have such confidence that something in you has to get out. You've got to interrupt. You've got to say it. It's got to come out. You might be self, overly self-confident. Here's the next one. Uh, you might believe that you can do it better no matter what it is. It might be just putting the dishes in the dishwasher. But you, you believe you can do it better, so you rarely ask for help. And it also means that you're frequently tired because you just figure if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it right, and so I'll just do it. I'm sure it's no one in this room. Uh, the next one's uh, sensitive if someone criticizes you. It's not because you're overly sensitive, it's because you're self-confident enough that someone has now said something to you, and it's like they poked something in your soul. Or if you're overly self-confident, you might say, I know a lot. No, I know. No, I know. I know. Right? Those are just qualities of people who might struggle with high self-confidence. So here's the question. The question for all of us, including me, how overly self-confident are we, am I? I really believe, as I've evaluated over this last week, this message and the concept of being too self-confident, I believe that line between healthy and overly self-confident is really blurry. Because we feel deep down we're good at something. We know something. But there's a risk to being overly self-confident. I'll get there, but I want to remind us that we're in this series called Drifters, when wandering turns into tragedy. And actually, I'm closing the series today with an account that's probably familiar to many of us where Peter denies Jesus three times. Where he, and I'm going to show you he has a high level of self-confidence and it gets him in trouble. He, he drifts. I love the, the story of Peter, just his whole life, seeing the journey with Jesus, even after Jesus. We have a, a class, it's a four-week class that starts soon. You should really think about this, the life of Peter. You could sign up after service today, but it's just a fascinating person to study deeply. And today, I want to look at that time when he denied Jesus three times. So we're going to pick up the accounts in Luke uh, t- uh, 22. And and just to bring you, so we're all on the same page where we're going to pick this up, Jesus recognizes it's towards the end of his ministry. He knows he's going to die on a cross. He's shared a meal together with the disciples, the Last Supper, right? It's the last meal. And Jesus is becoming really specific with the words that he's using, as he's speaking to the disciples, he's, he's trying to give them, he's trying to paint a picture of reality like, hey, this is, 
This is no longer parable time. This is the real deal. You need to know exactly what's happening. And, and so we pick this up where Jesus is addressing Peter. He calls him Simon. Same guy, Simon Peter, same person. And he says this in Luke 22. He says, Simon, Simon, that's Peter. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he, Peter, replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. That's the statement. I'll read more here in a second, but that's the statement by Peter that we're going to zero in on. It has a very high level of self-confidence. Lord, I, I will die for you if I have to. In other accounts of the story in the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus looked at him and says, well, uh, Peter, you're actually going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. To which Peter's like, no way, Jesus, I am all in to the death with you. Now what happens uh, next in the account is Peter and the disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Some of you know this. They pray. Jesus ends up dying on the cross. But before he dies, there's this interaction with, with Peter and Jesus. Jesus has been arrested, and they're in a courtyard. This, this, just imagine the scene. Jesus is standing before people, and they're accusing him. And Peter, who's followed from a distance, is in this interaction. Luke 22, then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away, took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed from a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Can you imagine that scene just for a second? There's a fire that Peter's sitting beside. And a servant girl saw him, Peter seated there at the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he, Peter, denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. But an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with them, for he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. In that account, in the drift of Peter denying Jesus three times, I think there's some things that we can learn about our own self-confidence. Let's pray before I jump into the two things I see. So Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, God, in this account that you would show us about a healthy level of self-confidence. So open our hearts, our minds, our ears to your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I see in the text. You can write this down. Peter's self-confidence was inconsistent with reality. Inconsistent with reality. Just as a review, Jesus was really clearly painting a picture of what reality was going to be, right? He, he says this, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And he goes on and he says, and when you've turned back, 
Strengthen your brothers. Pause before we get to the bold response of Peter. In, in this, Jesus is painting a reality that Satan is real, and Peter, you're going to turn away because when you turn back, then strengthen the brothers. So, so imagine for a second, Peter, in his, he's been with Jesus for three years, seen incredible things. In that moment, he sort of gets poked, and he responds, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. What do you mean when I turn back? I'm in this thing. And yet, what do we see him do? What do we see Peter do, right? J- Jesus gets arrested. He gets taken to the leaders, and we see Peter from a distance following Jesus to find out what's going on. He, he sits down by a fire that was started by a servant girl, and the servant girl comes up and says, uh, uh, this man was with him, but Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Right, right? The, the reality that Peter painted earlier, I will be with you To the death, I'll go to jail with you. The very moment he could have said, I'm a follower of Jesus, which would have led him to jail and potentially death, he creates another reality. Denies Jesus. It continues two more times, right? People with even more fervor. No, Peter, you were there. And with even more fervor, Peter denies Jesus. So the problem with being overly self-confident, and you can write this down, is self-confidence often denies the truths, multiple, of Jesus. Imagine the number of truth bombs Jesus shared with Peter over the last three years. Like, this is going to happen, make sure you do this. And, and Peter's trying his best, right? But Peter's confidence is building, and it's building, and it's building. And Jesus says, listen, man, Satan's after you, and you're going to turn back. And, and the false reality that self-confidence problems have created in Peter is, I've denied the truths of Jesus. So what does that mean in our lives? Let's, let's just make this practical, right? We, we've got the New Testament, we've, we've got the ability to read Jesus' words that are just as applicable to our lives as they were Peter's lives. So we read things like, Lord, don't lead us in temptation. Right? Jesus teaches us that temptation will enter our path and we should rely on God. But what do we do? I'm including me in this. We believe too often that when temptation crosses our paths, that we can navigate it, we can manage it. We can manage the amount of alcohol we drink, or we can manage the relationship that we're in, or we can manage the finances that we've been given, or, or you know what, this conversation that we're in that's turning sort of left and right and probably isn't uplifting, we can navigate that, I can figure it out on my own. So while we may not deny Jesus verbally like Peter did, I wonder how often our little actions throughout the day deny Jesus just as loudly. Here's the better option. Let's turn a corner. Let's change a gear. The better option, instead of having so much self-confidence in us, is to put our confidence in God. While we may not... Let me say it this way. The confidence of believers should be grounded in God's 
character, his actions, his trustworthy promises, rather than our human achievement and ability. Am I connecting with anyone in the room? Our confidence, guess what? We ain't all that. Our confidence should be put in God and who he is. Look at this, Proverbs 3, 26. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. We should put confidence that God's going to be at our side. Peter should have had confidence that God was going to be at his side. Or what about this? We should have confidence that God has done some great things in the past, and he's still in the business of doing great things. 2 Corinthians 1.10. He's delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. That's good news. Or even this, written by Peter the exact same Peter we're talking about today, says the word of the Lord endures forever. It didn't stop back then. It's still enduring today at whatever time it is, 10.30 in the morning, the Lord, and guess what? When you get home, Lord's word enduring. The, the most confident people I find in scripture don't put their confidence in themselves, but put it, their confidence in God. Moses, Noah, Nehemiah, you could just go, person by person. And you know what? The funny thing, Peter, the very person we're talking about who has a high level of unhealthy self-confidence in the moment, Peter, we find earlier interacting with Jesus where Peter puts a really high level of confidence in Jesus and something happens. Maybe you know this story. The, the, the disciples are in a boat. It's storming. In the middle of the storm, Jesus is not yet with them, but Jesus begins to walk on the water towards him. And Peter recognizes there's somebody out there walking on the water. Is that Jesus? And we picked this up in Matthew 14. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Peter, when he put his confidence in Jesus, walked on water. But when he put his confidence in himself, denied Jesus three times. You can write this down. When we put our confidence in Christ, anything is possible. That's good news. That's a really good point, Steve. Preach it. Right? When we put our confidence in that... This is the reality I want to live in. I don't want to live in a reality where I'm so self-confident that, guess what, I'm my own limit to the ability God has for me. I want to live in a reality that if I put my confidence in God, anything is possible. That's the reality that Jesus invites us to. That's why he died on a cross, to give us that ability to put our confidence in him. Anything is possible. Yet Peter's self-confidence was inconsistent with that reality. In this story of Peter, I see something else. You can write this in. Peter's self-confidence eventually brought him low. It eventually brought him low. Peter denies Jesus three times. 
with more fervor and boldness each time. And then it says in verse 61, the, the Lord, just imagine this. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord spoken to him before the rooster crows today will deny me three times. And Peter, he went out and wept bitterly. I cannot imagine in that moment denying Jesus three times. I don't know how far away Jesus was, 10 yards, 30 yards, whatever it was, but it was close enough that Peter and Jesus locked eyes. I don't know what that felt like. I I can't even make light of it. And after that look, after that recognition that Peter now realizes, man, I'm not all that, Peter weeps bitterly. See, there comes a point when, I I think this is any area of our lives, there comes a point when over self-confidence, we will recognize that we are not all that and we will be brought low. It's like a promise in Scripture, Isaiah 2. The arrogance of man will be, not might be, will be, brought low and human pride humbled. There is not an option. There's not a person that I can think of in Scripture who had too high of self-confidence that wasn't brought low to realize putting confidence in God was the better option. There's not a person. Even in my own life, I remember two circumstances. One was uh, probably 13, 14 years ago. I was in the marketplace at a hospital working and a position became available. I wanted that position. I'd worked hard. And so I walked into my boss's office and I said, that open position, I want that. I had a very high level of self-confidence. I I knew all the work I had done beforehand. I I knew I was probably qualified for that position. I knew how to do that thing. And I went into his office and I'm like, I want it, that's mine. And within 24 hours, I was not only told no, but told no with all the reasons no. And very clearly humbled, which drew me back to God. I remember a few years ago, I was at a a conference and I was teaching. And I thought I had created, uh, it was a smaller conference, thought I had created a great talk. Way better than this one. Like it was good. And I got up on the platform and I shared it and it was an absolute bonk. Bombed. And I I, I sat down and it was like the Lord said to me, sit down and shut up. Take a right view of who you are. And it immediately drew me back to God. The the quickest way to be brought low is to raise your self-confidence above your confidence in God. That is an almost certain way to be brought low. But here's the good news. It's not the end of the story. Peter wept bitterly. He knew he had messed up. Wasn't the end of Peter's story. If we actually see what happens and we follow the life of Peter, he actually, in that moment, the last interaction, right, he locks eyes with Jesus. Jesus ends up dying. 
Peter goes back to his old profession to be a fisherman. Now, uh, Jesus has died, but miraculously for 40 days before he ascends to heaven, Jesus is walking around interacting with people. And in this account, it's in the book of John, Peter and some guys are out fishing, and Jesus walks up to uh, the shore, notices Peter out there, and there's this little nugget Jesus starts a fire on the shore. One version, it's like a charcoal fire because he's going to cook some fish. I don't think the fire was just started to cook fish. I think it was to recreate in Peter's imagination this account of, hey, Peter, remember that time in the courtyard you snuck in and you sat by a servant girl who started a fire? It's like that. So Peter and Jesus are interacting. They're eating around this fire. In verse 15, it says this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. It's an invitation back to Peter. You're not disqualified. Come on, keep coming. Goes on. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answers, yes, Lord, you you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? In that moment, I, I don't see it in the scripture, but in that moment in my mind, I see Peter and Jesus and they're locked eye to eye around a fire. And I think in that moment, Peter recognizes He just asked me three times. I denied Jesus three times. And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. He's he's inviting Peter back into relationship. Peter, put your confidence in me. You can write this down. A fresh encounter with Jesus resets our confidence in him. A fresh encounter with Jesus resets our confidence in him. Follow the life of Peter. Right, this, Jesus invites this fresh encounter, put your confidence in me, and what we see Peter doing later after this, just read the book of Acts. He's leading the church, he's doing miraculous things, he's standing in front of people, proclaiming the gospel. He's put his confidence back in God, way more than he put his confidence in himself. And miraculous things happen, he can do almost anything. The the reality is, at our lowest points, when we recognize we're off track, we messed up, we're we're low, right, we've been humbled, those are the exact points that I believe God steps in and invites us to a fresh encounter to say, no, 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 confidence in me, come on, time for a fresh encounter. Being brought low was not the end of Peter's story, and it is not the end of our story. Peter put his confidence back in Jesus. We can put our confidence back in Jesus, partner with him. And it's so much better. 
Peter's self-confidence was inconsistent with reality, eventually brought him low, but it was not the end of the story. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.